0: Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles.
1: And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier, This is episode 100, Challenges First-Generation Students Face. As a first-generation student, you are blazing new pathways. You might be the first, you are the first in your family to go to college. You're navigating a new education system, not only for yourself, but one your parents haven't gone through. You may not have older siblings or cousins who have gone through this. And that means that you have very few informal resources to use navigating college. It's challenging to navigate a new way of learning when you're the first in your group to do it. You might be worried about being stigmatized by your classmates, your teachers, and, and or your family. This worry is an added pressure along with the pressures to feel perfect that we know a lot of our students face. And we've discussed that in previous episodes. As a teacher, I'm very well aware that I teach first-generation students. I evaluate my students along the same standards in terms of understanding material. I need to know what material clicks, what doesn't. I need to see what skills they can develop and what they haven't. And one of the things I suggest to my first-generation students, my second-generation and third-generation students alike, is to use campus resources, writing centers, tutors, and libraries, In a sense, I'm not tailoring all of this advice to first-generation students, but I do emphasize it. Use the formal resources that are on campus. As a teacher, I also work hard to create a classroom atmosphere where my students don't feel like they are under a spotlight. I try and make it so they don't feel they have to be perfect because I do not expect perfection. So to me, first-generation issues are things that I... And we as teachers collectively have to be compassionately aware of. We don't have to stigmatize this. We don't have to treat this status as a bad thing, but we have to be aware that some of our students face invisible obstacles and it's up to us to help them navigate these obstacles and deal with them.
0: Now, first gen students, you are not alone. And sometimes knowing there's a community can go a long way towards feeling like you're not alone. So According to the research and according to a lot of blogs written by a lot of people who are in higher ed, there are four main areas where first-gen students tend to run into problems. And we'll link to at least a couple of these sources that we've been using for this particular episode in the show notes. But there are financial issues, psychological issues, academic issues, and professional issues. Now when it comes to the financial stuff, Part of the decision to attend college, it involves answering this question, how am I going to pay for this? And a lot of times, students in general don't know how this financial system works, but if you're a middle-class student whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents all went to college, you probably have a better understanding just more or less by osmosis that, yeah, this is what student loans are, this is how you sign up for them and so forth, than you might as a first-gen student because... Your parents didn't do that and neither did their parents. And so for the student who doesn't really know how the financial aid system works, this can be a really daunting question. This can be a really difficult question to answer. How am I going to pay for this? First gen students pretty regularly work full time and then they go to school because they can't afford to take out loans or too many loans And their family is very dependent on their income because most first gen students are coming from families where the whole family pulls together. It's not like dad goes to work and mom stays home and takes care of the kids. That's not the first gen students usual experience of life. And so having to have a job and the demands of the employer may really interfere for first gen students with the time they're supposed to dedicate to class, homework, and other school engagements that are really critical to their success. A lot of first-gen students drop out of college because they have to work more hours to support themselves or support their family, and oftentimes because college is just not economically feasible. So these are all financial issues that first-generation students face, and teachers, we're also talking to you. Don't get annoyed when a first-gen student can't afford the $350 textbook you picked out. Go find a $35 textbook, or even better,
1: an OER textbook. Or even better? post-readings on the campus learning management system. Mm -hmm. Psychological pressure students face include what's called breakaway guilt. While first-generation students' families often view the students as maybe a savior, a delegate, or a way out of poverty and bad living conditions, a lot of first-generation students struggle with what we call breakaway guilt, that they're breaking away from the family traditions. And this is made much, much worse when higher education is viewed as the student trying to status climb. The idea of you think you're too good for us or you think you're better than us or you forgot where you came from. When that's the approach, that's the attitude students hear rather than, hey, college is a continuation of schooling. We want you to do well because it's going to help you. That adds a layer of pressure that other students don't face. A first-generation student's decision to pursue higher education comes with the price of leaving their family behind, potentially. Students may feel they're abandoning their parents or siblings who depend on them. And families may also have conflicted feelings. These students, the first-generation students, want an education and they want upward mobility, but that's not always accepted positively. It's sometimes interpreted as, You're rejecting your past. You forget where you came from.
0: I've had first-gen students who tell me that their biggest motivation is one of two things. It's either my family worked really hard to make it possible for me to go to college so I can't let them down, or my family thinks I'm wasting my time. If it's a young lady, it'll often be my family thinks I'm wasting my time, and I should just drop out and marry a nice man and have babies. And if it's a boy, they'll often say, my family thinks that I'm wasting my time and I should just become a mechanic or, you know, work in construction because that's what they've always done. So that need for the student, for the child, to remain faithful to family traditions is often really damaged by the demands of college, the demands of higher education, which pretty much assume that you've got a middle class life and that you've got a middle class set of norms and you've got a middle class view of the world and all of these are impediments and they can cause pretty severe psychological difficulty. A couple of issues other than that are it's hard to fit in on campus when you don't have a middle class white person background in the United States and you're going to campus, you may find that you don't share a cultural background with the majority of your of your classmates. And that means making friends becomes a lot more difficult. I saw something going around Facebook just the other day and it was a young lady of color saying, you know, the teacher asked, what do you think you should do with your degree? And I said, well, my job is to help people, is to, you know, raise people up from being, you know, downtrodden and being treated like, you know, like garbage. And everyone else in the classroom stared at her. And then she realized I'm sitting here with a bunch of legacy babies with a bunch of trust fund babies, with a bunch of white upper-middle-class kids, and none of them have any clue what I'm talking about. They've never had to struggle for anything. And so when you don't have anything in common with your classmates, it becomes much more difficult to make friends. Now, if you are going to an historically uh, black college or university, or if you are going to an Hispanic-serving institution, and you're black or Latino, you'll probably find people who know what is going on. They'll, they'll understand you. Like, for example, both Dinor and I, uh, we work at HSIs. The majority of our students are Latin American, mostly Mexican American. So those students already have a common bond. And even though many of them are first gen, they're not facing the same, there's nobody here with anything in common with me. But if you are, say, a black student who gets into Harvard, or an Asian student who gets into Stanford, you might struggle finding a lot of people who have common ground with you because those are historically white people schools. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to go to those schools, but I am saying it's another thing that first gen students often face. It's like, nobody here sees the world the way I do. Nobody here has had the experiences I've had. Another issue here with fitting in is that when you become a student and you start focusing on college student kinds of things, you'll often experience an identity shift with your family and your non-college friends. Your new identity as a student and the obligations of being a student and the requirements of being a student will often end up conflicting with your role in the family or the ways that you used to interact with your non college friends. Your non college friends might think you've sold out. They might think that you are, you know, joining the band, that you're not, you know, that you're not cool anymore, that you're not part of their group anymore because you're interested in all this weird stuff like, you know, all this stuff in your physics class. And they just can't be bothered with it. It's just not something that's interesting to them. Or again, your family may say, who do you think you are? You think you're better than us just because you're getting these letters after your name? And so being perceived as different at home and being perceived as different among your friends and being perceived as not fitting in with the people who are on campus. This can make for a very lonely life and first generation students really need to be able to find sort of, you know, their group on campus there may be a club that you can join that you know, is about being Latin American or about being the black student or about being a woman on campus. Even sometimes women still have trouble finding their group. But if you can find your group, that, that can often alleviate a lot of this and just reassure your family that you're not a different
1: person. You just know more than you used to. As far as academic pressures are concerned, many first-generation students lack college chops. Now they're not alone in this a lot of incoming students don't know what college demands of them but if you're a first generation student you might not have that built-in understanding of formal and informal college norms we've discussed both of those in previous episodes many first generation students many first generation students really don't know how to study effectively or if they do they think grades are the entire point of college and they don't realize that high school and college are different beasts. Many first-generation students come in with the K-12 mindset about what school is for and how it works, including the expectation that all material for the class will be covered by the teacher in class, that they'll be reminded about upcoming due dates, and they expect second and third chances on material, and that's not always offered in college
0: and then when they're confronted with actual college expectations. For example, we will not be going over the readings in class. It's assumed you did them because they were assigned. Or a four-unit class requires 12 hours a week. Or you will not be reminded about upcoming assignments, exams, or projects because you have a syllabus to remind you. They often struggle, especially because almost none of these are stated. They're just assumed that because you're a college student, you know this stuff already. And These first-gen students will avoid teachers because they tend to think of teachers as punitive authority figures who want to get them in trouble. They don't see them as partners in learning. And that means they lose the benefit of office hours and informal discussion with their professors. And when you come from a background where studying has always meant memorize this and spit it back out on a test, finding out that you're now expected to analyze, apply, and extend what you're learning, that can be a shock. Even the expectations about time are different in college. Before, school was done at school, and then homework was done at home, but there was still a lot of time on the weekends and during the afternoons or evenings for goofing off and relaxing or spending time with your family or spending time with your friends or whatever. And now students might find that their weekends are taken up with study, with projects, with papers. Most of the time, being a full-time college student means that being a student is a full-time job. 40 to 50 hours of work a week, between your class meetings, your homework, and other requirements like doing research for papers and doing group meetings for presentations. It takes a lot more time than most first-gen students realize. And then they have to decide between their full-time job
1: and their full-time school. For professional pressures, first-generation students may not realize the goal of college isn't just the degree, it's to prepare for working professionally. So these students need professional mentorship and internship opportunities. They need scholarships. These are students who cannot afford to work for free because their families depend on them and their parents' networks may not necessarily help with academic or professional help or work. What are the solutions? We've
0: presented a lot of problems and we know they're there, but there are solutions for this. And so first, first gens, You need to look at going to college as similar to taking a job in another country. So when you first start a job, you've got to be socialized into its norms and its expectations. If you're in a new country, you have to learn what's socially acceptable, what's not, what's expected, what's not. And so in the same way, you are going to have to be socialized into the norms and expectations of college. You'll have to learn its particular language, its expectations, its unspoken rules. And by the way, there are a ton of those. So start. Slowly. Don't show up on campus on your first day of college and immediately join six extracurricular activities. Even if you were a social butterfly in high school and you were on the football team and the debate club and the drama club in high school, this is not high school. Extracurriculars are no longer the focus of what you're doing, they're going to have to be an occasional thing now if you do them at all.
1: Make good use of your campus resources. You might be the first person in your family to attend college. But the university has offices devoted to helping people in your, in your situation because you are not the first first generation student they've ever taught. Effectively, you're substituting one resource for another. You're substituting what the school offers you for the help that you may not be able to get from family. The ideal combo is to have both formal and informal resources to work with, but Having the university help you goes a really long way toward making school a lot less scary and to helping set you up for life after graduation. Don't be afraid to ask for help. If you don't ask for help, no one will know you need help. Yeah, there may be cultural restrictions on asking for help. Things like the idea that real men don't ask for help is one we see a lot. As is the idea that asking for help is seen as weakness, Mm -hmm. but you have to overcome these thoughts when you get to college. Remember, you're in a new country, you're in a new way of learning, and you are being socialized into new norms you have to live with and within. So one
0: solution to this problem is you need to make yourself a professional student. And by this, we don't mean the student who keeps on changing their major so they could stay in college forever. That's a whole other story. No, be a professional about being a student. Treat school as your job. Attend the classes. Pay attention to what the teacher is saying. Pay attention to what other students are asking. Take notes. Take good notes. And ask questions. Go to office hours because you need to clarify things you're not clear on, and that's what office hours are for look at the material before you come to class, so at least you're a little bit familiar with it, and then review it after class is over and see, where do I still need help? And really important, you must learn to manage your time. You must, must, must. There is no option here. You cannot coast and cram the way you might've done in high school. That's just not gonna work in college. Now we have several different episodes about time management, so please look at our list on our webpage and you will be able to find the time management series but you've got to learn how to manage your time because all these other things, being able to pay attention and take notes and all that depend on being able to manage your time. Another thing to do is develop communities and networks both inside your classes from study groups, make friends because you're taking the same classes and you happen to sit next to each other and see if you have time and energy to do that through some clubs on campus. You know, some might focus on the shared first gen experience some may highlight something entirely different. If you don't want to emphasize you're a 1st general because you're worried that it's stigmatizing, find communities that are based on your interests. If you get to know the people in these communities and learn to trust them, you might decide to reveal that you're first-gen. And even if you don't, you still have friends who are college friends that are going through the same kinds of things you're going through, that you get to spend time with, and who hopefully will be able to offer at least encouragement and support and say, yeah, yeah, Dr. Bloom, He's a great teacher but don't take dr. Sanford's classes no trust me I took a class with him okay you'll have people who can clue you in on which classes might be easier to take in a semester where you're really feeling you know slammed and which classes might challenge you on things that you're really interested in but you've got to build those communities and networks and yeah it's going to be tough at first so just reach out and shake hands with somebody at your first day of class and say hey I'm Adam what's your name is in this is in this class I mean I'm really kind of freaked out about this class, what about you? Okay, find some ways to connect with people.
1: For teachers and administrators, make internships, scholarships, and professionalization opportunities available and known to students. Do not assume that just because you are aware of these opportunities, that all of your students are aware of them and what these opportunities offer and what they expect from students. Talk to them, communicate these opportunities. Create programs on campus, off campus, or both that help serve first-generation students and help them acclimate to college life and offer professional opportunities. Things like potential internships that offer both money and college credit would help students financially and professionally, as well as somewhat academically. They have to write about what they did and reflect on it. Working with local organizations and resources makes the university a really integral part of the community. It, can, it connects students with other people and opportunities and it reduces that feeling of I'm alone and I don't belong here for first generation students. It helps set them up for immediate success and long-term success. So that's what we have for you in episode 100.
0: Oh my gosh, Janor, episode 100. We made it to 100. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android, and we're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could write us a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts.
1: Be sure to join us next week for episode 101, when Adam and I talk about the first of three big steps in writing as construction, building a paper from the ground up. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap.
0: We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible.
1: If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier.